Hello, this is Marguerita Monet from Edge of Paradise, and you are listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we discuss all things heavy metal. You can follow our website at www.themetalpit.org, and we are on Facebook and Instagram at The Metal Pit. And you can find us on our YouTube channel, which is at The Metal Pit 666. Tonight, we're going to be discussing Sepultura's 1989 album, Beneath the Remains. And before that, we're going to talk briefly about the new Metallica album, 72 Seasons. But before all that, I welcome in my guest tonight, who is a former writer for the Metal Pit years ago, Ola Mazuka. How are you, Ola? I'm well, thanks, Blake. It's a it's a massive honor to be here speaking about one of my favorite albums with you and like a very full circle moment to reconnect with you today and uh, wax poetic on great music, music that's shaped me. And uh, and essentially the, the website that kickstarted my career um, when I was 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was going to mention most of the podcast so far, I have a writer who is on the metal pit now that is with me. <laughs> and but tonight I brought back, excuse me, a past writer, you, like you said, and you were 15 years old when you first wrote for me. We don't have to say how long ago this was. We don't want to give away your age. Everybody knows my age, probably. <laughs> but even at that age, I knew you're a great writer. And with your album reviews and the interviews you did, and I knew you'd be going to, I won't say better places, because the Metal Pit, of course, is the best place, but... <laughs> <laughs> so so talk about talk about what what it was like when you did write for me and and the website and what that gave to you and where you went after that. Absolutely. It's given me everything. I mean, I have to thank you Blake. I have many times before, but I really owe it to you for supporting the start of my career as a journalist um and being in communications. Uh I, yeah, I, I started writing for The Metal Pit when I was 15 years old. I had discovered The Metal Pit through MySpace at the time, in the in the age of MySpace, everyone. <laughs> um, and um, MySpace was a great way to find out about music, um, independent artists, and I had stumbled upon The Metal Pit and found the website, the webzine. You know, The Metal Pit is a, is a webzine, was considered a, a webzine at the time, still is a publication. And mm -hmm. um, I discovered the website and was super inspired by the content. And um, when I saw the location on MySpace, I saw that Blake was located in Ontario. I was really excited about that. So I, I don't really remember. You might have to tell me about like what email or what message you got. But I, I believe I sent the note on MySpace, like through an instant messenger platform or something or went to your email. I'm not quite sure, but I literally just cold called Blake to say, hello, you know, I'm based, you know, in Toronto, I'm looking to write. Here are some past samples, and and you know, initially my my roots in writing started out because I wanted to. Sorry, I should say my roots in journalism began because I wanted to find a platform or medium or method to express my passion for metal music with other people, and writing was the medium of doing that. So, I just messaged Blake and said, can I write for you? And he's like, sure. And the rest <laughs> is history. I, I interviewed Angela Gossow. I, I received some really great promo um, CDs for, for unreleased material, some really, you know, mainstream stuff, obscure 
stuff, black metal, death metal, thrash metal, all the extreme subgenres, which I'm I'm still very um, rooted in today. Um, and that's how my career started. And it it led me to develop a massive portfolio of work. And, and I would go on to write for a lot of different um, music publications and cultural publications, which established my career as a multimedia journalist down the line. And, um, you know, being able to use that content and building content over time, like that's what gets you early acceptance into school sometimes. That's what 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 helps you develop as a person. More importantly, it helps you develop as a person um, to expand your creativity and skills. So I have so much gratitude for you, Blake, for the metal pit. I'll never forget it. I always tell people how I got my start and I always credit the metal pit. So don't ever forget that. Well, thank you, Ola. I really appreciate you saying that. And I keep begging you to come back, but I know you're too busy. <laughs> and I was going to actually ask you if you remember how you met me, because I couldn't remember. <laughs> it's so wild. I do remember it was through MySpace that I discovered the metal pit. Um, and I, yeah, whether it was through a, a messaging system on there at the time or through email, I just reached out and I said, hey, you know, and I really... You, like you giving me a chance because because when we when we, when we get older right you know that I was really young then and when you're still in this weird time frame where you're not yet you know well I was 15 when I started but you're not yet full teenager you're still in that 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 coming out of that childhood so you you're still kind of innocent and you have a lot of hope for things per se like you haven't mm -hmm. faced so much rejection yet so you're you're still open to like let me try let me try and when you get older and you deal with adult life, you deal with a lot of letdowns. You deal with new, like just immeasurable rejection and disappointment at times. And you have to overcome a lot of that. And to this day, I still believe in any facets of life experience or career, you have to have that one yes. You have to have that one yes from someone, an employer, a friend, a mentor, a teacher, anyone and that one yes will help you get to the next stepping stone so so Blake was that yes for me and um it it all that is the foundation of why I can still have hope today sometimes when things get very bleak <laughs> <laughs> well that's great and uh so this is a perfect thing I'm still looking for new writers so if anybody's listening to this and and Ola's telling you her story so everybody you need to join <laughs> yes listen i am not paid to say this this is real life testimony people so so listen <laughs> up and and write for the metal pit <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing now though i know you you don't just listen to heavy metal these days you're doing all kinds of things so what are you doing right now yeah absolutely i mean metal will always be the root of who i am uh, as a person and it will always be the root of my understanding of what community means um, really rooted in, in the sense of community in that word and metal is what taught me that um, I listen to all types of music now and um, you know while I was a practicing like artist musician back in the day um, I've transitioned to being an all vinyl DJ a selector essentially and so my musical tastes range from a lot of different sounds and styles Caribbean Latin jazz um, trip hop down tempo um, various international sounds you know music from around the world music that I grew up with um, as a kid and uh, in, in the household disco funk soul so I and I've 
I've incorporated that into my repertoire and what I do as a DJ now, um, but just as a music lover, yeah, metal is always within me. I, I, I listen to it regularly. I, I'm not as, I, I try to get into new contemporary bands as much as I can. However, I'm always going back to older stuff, um, but it's given me such a foundation for my work, which in the, in the last seven years, I've um, been working in the music industry as a, as a publicist, as a music, music publicist. So I've been able to represent an array of artists and bands that I've admired for so long. And it's been an incredible opportunity. I've had ridiculous full circle moments of representing some of my heroes over time, which has also been very, very um, surreal experience for me as well. Um, I'm currently transitioning to a new career path and journey at this time but it's really been an incredible experience for me to apply my passion for music and communications and project coordination and beyond into my career and yeah that's that's where I've been at for the the, the current amount of time and in addition to that I um, manage my own um, community journalism like community platform that where I apply my own multimedia journalism called Sonic Fold. And um, we're all about championing diverse voices, cultivating community connections in unique, inclusive, creative ways. And I just launched a new sibling um, ancillary podcast series, which is called Sound Travels. It's a listening experience, as I describe it, which um, highlights community cultivators and the records that have gone the distance. So the music that has help them journey through various aspects of their life. Mm-hmm. That sounds interesting. I know I'll have to listen. Now, is that under the name Sonic Fold then or? Yes. yes. So it's Sound Travels produced by Sonic Fold and hosted by me slash my uh, DJ identity, Olas Canola. Okay. Yeah. Many layers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, when did you uh, first discover heavy metal or what band maybe did you discover heavy metal with way back when? Yeah, so I I did not grow up in a household of hard rock, um, classic rock, anything of that sort. Like, actually, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Some classic rock, but I grew up in a household with a lot of electronic music, new wave, new age, um, disco, house, funk, things, soul, Motown music, things like that. Music that my parents really loved, a lot of uh, cumbia, salsa, traditional Italian music as well. Um, you know, part of my two sides of, of my, my family's heritage. Um, and I got into heavier sounds on my own, um, primarily through pop culture, film. I'm, I'm a curious person. I'm a really huge researcher. I love to learn about all cultures, people, music, film, art. I'm just ever curious and ever learning. Um, It never stops. And so I got into heavier music because I was learning how to play the guitar at the time. I started on electric. I never played acoustic. Um, I dove right into that. And I was into a lot of hard rock at the time, a lot of grunge. I think in elementary school, I was really into grunge music. I listened to a lot of Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, um, things like that. Um, But I also liked a lot of like British pop music, like Robbie Williams, strangely. Like I was really all over the map. Like I like down tempo electronica. It was weird. And I'm still like that today. Like I can listen to Power Trip one second and then like 
thievery corporate corporation the next minute. I that's just how my playlists look like and sound like. Um, but getting into heavier music, I think one major one major moment I had. I mean, as you know, Blake, I'm sure too, you can imagine when you're into one genre of heavy metal, you want heavier and heavier and heavier. You know, you're always mm -hmm. into the heavier thing, right? That's how people get into the more extreme uh, subgenres like death metal and thrash metal, black metal. And yes. you know how it is. You're always searching for the next thing. Um, mm -hmm. But I, well, I guess one, one turning point moment for me was watching Much Loud really mm -hmm. night, I, I was watching my brother babysitting he's my brother I would my parents were at home so I was just staying up and taking care of the house and um much loud came on and it was the music video for um arch enemies we will rise that was playing mm -hmm. and that was like wow really changed me it just I immediately went to go look them up on the internet and you know downloaded a bunch of music I was so inspired by Angela Gossow and her strength and I ended up interviewing Angela Gossow for the metal pit as well which was so amazing mm -hmm. um, yeah so and that's that's partially um another another um route to my life in metal I'd have to shout out the Polson family um some dear friends of mine who are originally from Denmark um, and their family moved to Canada and spent a long time living here as well. I grew up with them. Um, yeah, my, my, my dear friends the, 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 in the Polson family, um, my friend's older brother uh, got me into heavier stuff. He lent me a lot of music um, when he heard that I was getting into heavy metal and more of the extreme genres. He lent me a lot of his um, old Metallica records um, Lamb of God, a lot of the Scandinavian bands like Amon Amarth and Enslaved and and um, Children of Bodom, mm -hmm. a lot of the Scandinavian bands that I'm I'm still love and cherish today. They they were really a, um, a foundational um, in in my understanding and growth in the metal community. Um, so I have to shout them out and give them a lot of credit for supporting that journey as well. And research, essentially, like I mentioned, research is huge for me. I just research, 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 reading, reading books by Ian Christie, reading books by Martin Popoff, reading Brave Words, um, getting subscriptions to um, Decibel Magazine and Metal Hammer and all these publications. Um, and of course, continued learning through like you know, shout out banger, like headbangers journey, global metal, just watching films and documentaries, heavy metal parking lot, learning about the origins. <laughs> like even that is as silly as it's funny, right? But like looking at metal around the world, looking at metal through the ages, I was just like, I thought about metal 24 seven, like all the time, like 24 seven, three, six, five metal. And it's what I became known for in my personal identity too. Like people would just know me at school for being a metal head um, in my professional career. When I, when I started in PR, a lot of people were like, yeah, but like, do you cover this kind of music too? Or is it just metal? I'm like, no, I listen to everything, but it's because of where I started that people really um, attach this, this um, being a part of the subculture and being a part of this community um, to my personal identity, which I was so honored by, like it never, it was, I was so thrilled by it, you know, the only time in high school was the stereotype of people just 
assuming you did drugs because you were <laughs> in the metal community. And I'm like, no, actually, you know, not all of us, you know, anyone can do drugs, essentially, yes. <laughs> uh, recreational drugs, you know what I mean? And, and that's not an issue either. It's just more of like it, this, you know, dealing with the stereotypes, but also dealing with the celebration of it as well, like, having mm -hmm. which I always lean towards celebratory. And, and to this day, it's, it's been something I'm so proud of. Yeah. Yeah, I was, it was the same way for me, people thinking I, I didn't do drugs either, but I was always, every time I went to London, Ontario, the same guy would stop me and think, oh, you want some drugs this time? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep, like, no, I, I still don't want any, thanks, buddy, but whatever. I, I <laughs> but used yes. to get asked if I had a lighter. When I was in high school, people would ask me if I had a lighter all the time. <laughs> and I'm I'm like, no, I, I don't, I don't have a lighter, like... <laughs> <laughs> when have you ever seen me outside smoking? I'm sorry, I don't have a <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's a yes, it's a definitely a stereotype. I mean, no, no, there's a lot of people doing it. So, uh, but there's a lot of people in every other, whatever, all forms of life now, especially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong I mean, with it if you want to do. It, so. it, absolutely, no. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I guess no. this, this our conversations making me reflect on the evolution of how metal has been connected to my identity in both the celebratory and stereotypical ways and it's so funny because I forget all these things right like I really I, I forget I forget about the commentary I think because like when you get older you really own those parts of your identity you know you mm -hmm. really own it and you you celebrate it but when you're in um, school and surrounded by peers and some of them may not understand or you get made fun of because of it like it puts you in a different place like that was just a different time of life but um yes. yeah but you know as a whole metal yeah I mean I'm always learning about metal you know to this day and I love I've loved watching it evolve and transform around the world and and um I and and metal is like to this day, it's the great uniter. Like I've definitely been, whenever I've traveled, you'll see someone in a merch, like in merch or in a shirt of a band, you, you know, it, it's like, it's like the code. It's like universal language is like someone wearing a shirt of a band you like down the street or I, I don't know. There's just something about it that is, is so universal and it could lead you to having a massive conversation in, in the produce aisle at the grocery store with someone it like literally it, it's taken me to places I've never imagined yeah yes now I'm not gonna bore people with how I got in heavy metal since I've probably said it on a few different podcasts but but one it was through also the magazine now I'm older than you so it was a different of course it was I couldn't go I couldn't see a band and think oh I'll go look them up on the internet because there was no internet yet <laughs> and there wasn't no much music at that time at the very start so it was magazines like you mentioned circus magazine is how i read about iron maiden and that was the first real heavy metal album that i got now i have two older brothers and they had acdc and led zeppelin and you know i like that but i didn't know what this word heavy metal meant until i got iron maiden and and as soon as i got the iron maiden number the beast album then i just bought anything with guys with long hair if their pitch of picture on the cover they had long hair i thought oh this must be good <laughs> no it wasn't all good but some of it was good yeah yeah i love that yeah like circus magazine i remember i i don't know if i ever 
got a copy of that, but I've definitely read like archives of it mm -hmm. in the past. And it's such an iconic publication that really like set, set people off on their journey. Yeah. Yeah. There was so many, like there was Hit Parader, there was Cream, there was Kerrang from the UK. There was all kinds out there that, then. Now there's like nothing, of course, because everything's on the internet mostly. And like you mentioned, Brave Words, I have a whole bunch of CDs that you got from Brave Words, the magazine or whatever, the mixed CDs. And that's how I discovered Arch Enemy was through one of those CDs here in Angelo. And I I think it was Ravenous, I think, was the first song I heard by Arch Enemy. That's another great track, too. Yeah. Yes. And I interviewed her, too. You interviewed her the first time for my site, and then I interviewed her. And and again, I was friends with her on MySpace or whatever. Not that we were friends, but you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. how I connected with Angela from Arch Enemy was on MySpace also. Yeah, yeah. I, I Yeah, she's just amazing. I'll never forget, like, um, I'll never forget her interview in Headbanger's Journey, I think it was, and her talking about, like, the raw power that she, like, um, emits on stage in her performance and that rawness of her 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 passion for the music and and her um her talent you know her sheer talent um yeah and that yes. band as well like another connection to that band another favorite band of mine carcass i mean we could have also talked about carcass today another <laughs> love carcass michael amott like yeah great bands Okay, so we got that figured out. Let's okay. I wanted to talk about Metallica briefly. Yeah. We don't spend a lot of time on this, but let's see. This they just released 72 seasons last week, two weeks ago, whatever, and it's their 11th studio album. And I grew up on Metallica, of course. I heard Hit the Lights on Q107 when they had a heavy metal show on Friday night at midnight or something. So that's where I heard Hit the Lights and started buying everything Metallica. Now, of course, me, I'm old school. And so I like the old albums, the first four, <laughs> the best or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I still get a chance once in a while, see them concert and stuff, even though I'm not that fond of some of the, like the Black album, I'm not that crazy about or load or reload or whatever. But anyway, so we got 72 seasons. Now, have you heard I know you said you listened to it once. Is that about all you've listened to it so far? Or? A few times. Yeah, a few times. Um, I was actually, it's interesting that you mentioned this, Blake, too. Like, I I, I didn't, I, I guess I was, like, kind of out of the loop. Like, I had briefly read that they were releasing a new album. But it wasn't until I heard Lux Eterna on, I don't know if it was Local FM or if it was uh, Liquid Metal on Sirius, because I have Sirius, mm -hmm. and I, or was it Octane? Maybe one of those channels. But anyway. I was driving and I heard it and I was like, oh, this, this like guitar sounds familiar. And it's like Metallica, Lux Eterna. And I was like, whoa, like, what is this? And I was quite impressed. I love the freshness and like the, the, the pace, uh, uh, you know, the tempo of this, the song was really cool, but that's kind of what like got me into looking into their rollout of this. And I'm like, oh, wow, this album is coming out soon. Like where have I been living under like a boulder, <laughs> not a rock a boulder. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, I when I first heard, well, I mean, I knew I, I uh 
I think I was listening to a podcast about Metallica. Some guys that do a podcast about Metallica. So I think I was prepared that, oh, they're making a new album or whatever. So if they had a new song, it was on their podcast. They'd do a quick episode about it or whatever. So I think that's probably where I first heard the song, actually. And I love that song. If there was like 10 Luxy Turnas on this album, I'd give it like a 10 out of 10, probably. I don't want the same song 10 times, but you know what I mean? <laughs> the sound, it was kind of an old sound to it more almost like their diamond head covers more so than the metallica songs yeah i love that you said that actually because like even like the like the like the the riffs like did it right it's like so like i don't want to hum it but it's it's (laughs) it's really like it's yeah it's very it's it's like that border new wave british heavy metal yes it's like that 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 crossover a little bit they're like picking up on the the root like a lot of classic bands there um and i mean like oh like their cover of am i evil like yes. i mean the original diamond head track is great but their cover i will say i was going to mention this i loved garage inc like i yes. thought that album was so, we're going to talk a bit about covers later but like that album is one of my favorites but like you um like a well, like you, I really do enjoy the older um, albums. Of course, you know, 1986 iconic Master of Puppets. But I loved um, Ride the Lightning. Like yes. when I was learning how to play guitar, I learned almost every song. Like I had like the the Hal Leonard like method book to learn all the songs, and mm-hmm. I really love that album. Like for whom the bell tolls was my ringtone in high like all of high school. Like. <laughs> I love that album. Um, their old stuff it was incredible. But some some feedback that I read about 72 Seasons, Blake, was that it was super long, which like mm-hmm. there's a song that's like 11 minutes on there. Um, but like, I think Metallica has been doing a really good job of going back to their roots. Like sometimes I can't really get over the the, the high quality sound, like the super produced, sound like the over mm-hmm. I don't know why like I, I I like it but it's still um too polished sometimes like I, I don't know how to explain it yes no I'm, that makes yeah that makes sense yes you know what I mean like it's sometimes it's a bit too polished but it should be because Metallica are at that level and they're also in a new era right like they have to they have to keep up with that however I think they did an excellent job of like drawing from roots and staying very contemporary they've still got it like they're playing with like utmost intensity and precision in the in the arrangements of the songs and the composition and the in the songwriting like they're they're not you know they've they've gone through 72 seasons literally of rebirth (laughs) over and over again and and they've been through a lot so I, I respect the band I've always respected and loved Metallica, not just for the music, but for their story and their resilience as people, and also in their their resilience in the industry. I think they'll always have fans. They'll never fall off. They'll always have people that will love and support them. But as I don't want to say aging, and I'm not saying aging in a bad way, but like mm-hmm. aging in like a in an era where music is constantly changing through technology and they have a lot of younger bands that are um, utilizing that. I mean, so are they, but 
Yes. Just, simply put, they've just done an incredible job at staying true to themselves while managing changing times, you know, um, industry-wise, technology-wise, <clears throat> all the rest. But yeah, um, and I so I got to see them live at Scotiabank, which was, what is their Canada at the center at the time with Volbeat, Behemoth, and Lamb of God. And I think that was... I don't remember how old I was, what year it was, but um, it was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a Is good that the time. only time you've seen them? That was the only time I've seen them. Um, oh. And I went with my entire family. We were so excited, my parents and oh. my brother. <laughs> and we were, yeah, we actually got really good seats, like not super close, but we could feel the pyro. They were decent. <laughs> and what to, do you know what tour it was was it the black album tour or no i want to i would like to look it up um if you don't mind sure now, i've seen them probably like 10 times i think <laughs> it was My... 2009 okay 2009 for um i think did i review this show i think i reviewed it for hellbound but the show, oh, I don't even know if this was for a particular album. Well, sometimes they just toured for the heck of it too, right? <laughs> I remember like the merchandise had like their skull, like their famous, I forgot the name of their skull mascot, but uh, yeah, the merchandise had that, which is like very like load era so i don't yes it might have been in there i'd have to probably look to see what year these albums came out i know it well no but... it was it was october 26 2019 which is which is post saint anger 2009 you met right 2009 i'm sorry yes yes 26 2009 and so that would have been for let me see uh it was after Death Magnetic. Thank you. Oh, okay. I think I saw that. I don't know. I saw them. I don't know if I saw them on that tour. Maybe I saw them on the Hardwired tour. Because I don't remember those other those other groups you mentioned. I don't remember seeing them. So I must not have seen that one. But I saw the next one, I think it was. Yeah. With, I, and I don't really remember who the group was. Because I've seen them so many times. It's hard. Like the first time was the Injustice for All tour. That was when I first saw them. Amazing, yeah. That was and amazing. I think Queensryche opened for them, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> wow. And and I do have a fact check on this, Blake, before we proceed. Behemoth did not open. I was thinking of another show. It was just Metallica, Lamb of God, and Volbeat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Lamb of God, I've seen maybe like three three times, three or four times. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that was that show. And uh, so do you have any thoughts on any of the other songs or are you just not? Um, I thought it was really heavy. It was like a nonstop project. Um, there were a few songs that I really liked, like Chasing Light, Too Far Gone. Um, the last song, Inamorata, which was the 11... They, they could have made it 11-11, but they didn't. It's 11 minutes and 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shadows Follow as well. I really feel like a lot of the songs on the project um, 
blended a lot of different um, layers of emotion. Like I'm talking on a general term because quite frankly, yes. I haven't listened to it too many times to pick up um, so many things. But overall, I, I thought it was a really consistent project, uh, super consistent with the arrangements, the lyrics. Um, the production is so clean, it's sharp. Um, and it balances a lot of like emotions and, and emotional energy as well on, on it. Mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah. But it was just nonstop. I thought it was like nonstop energy. So. Yeah, so I, I like the screaming suicide and the dark inside of sun and the title track. But some of the other songs I got a little bored with. But again, I'm not, you know, I've only listened to it a few times. But again, for me, I just, geez, if I really want to listen to Metallica, yes, I'm pulling out Ride the Lightning because that is my favorite Metallica album, as you mentioned that, and yeah, Master yeah. would be a close second. But yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know, they're in their 60s, right? Most of them. So, I mean, they make a good album for guys in their 60s, that's for sure. And some Absolutely. of the songs are great, and it'd be great to see them in concert. But unfortunately, Montreal is as close as they're getting. Well, probably Detroit, too, I suppose. But yeah. I don't think I'm going to make it. But it would be great to see them live, and especially since they're doing different set lists both nights of their of each city, which would be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Yeah, it would it would be, you know, it, I'd love to go see them again as well. Like, I'm surprised they're not making a stop in Toronto for this one. Yes, they're only playing Edmonton and Montreal are the only Canadian shows. Wow, but I guess, I you know, they have to go everywhere, right? It's like it's a two-year tour. And <laughs> oh my God. if they weren't doing two in every city, then they could probably do other places. But they're probably saving money by doing that, too. And uh, it's so expensive, you know, now, especially with stuff like that. Absolutely. Okay, let's get on to Sepultura then. Okay. Now, briefly... Most people listening to this probably know who they are, but they're a Brazilian heavy metal band formed in 1984 by brothers Max and Igor Cavalera. I hope I'm saying that right. And they were a major force in the groove metal, thrash metal, death metal genres in the late 80s, early 90s. Now, I haven't, they, they have, oh, I have it wrote down somewhere. They have 15 studio albums, but I can't say, I really, I let you pick this album, so... I was just cramming myself listening to the first four or five albums, I think, to try to get a feel for some of their early albums, because I know I remember them back then, but I didn't buy them. Like, again, this is the case before the Internet, so you only had so much money. You had to go buy an album if you wanted to listen to it. You couldn't just open up Spotify and listen to it. So I think Thrash was my biggest, once I got into Thrash, like Metallica, Slayer, Exodus, Anthrax, whatever. So I was heavily into thrash, but I could only afford so many albums. So I'm sure I heard Sepultura probably on much music. And I thought it was okay, but it wasn't enough for me, I guess, to go buy it. <laughs> so why did you, so I let you choose this album. Why did you choose this album for us to talk about today? Yeah, I chose this album, Beneath the Remains by, Sep by sorry. I chose Beneath the Remains by Sepultura which was released April 7th, 1989, their third album on Roadrunner, um, because it represents a lot of different things. For me, it's always been a constant record I've put on in various moments and, and times in my, in my life. Um, this album also falls in a really good sweet spot before the 90s hit, you know, released 1989 just a few years after the magical 1986 year where a lot of iconic 
um, thrash album albums released out. Sorry, where a lot of iconic thrash albums were released that set a strong foundation for the scene, the metal scene at the time. So it represents a lot of that. But for me, the primary thing about Beneath the Remains is that it represents this resilience and strength through the music, the lyricism. It has a purely I don't give a fuck attitude, uh, a lot of energy in this album. It's rebellious. It's angry. It is tough. It is determined. It just screams perseverance and and um, autonomy at the highest degree it can, essentially. Um, and for that, that's the root of why it, it's so special to me is more of the emotional element. But as someone who was learning how to play guitar, the the guitar playing of Andreas Kisser and, um, you know, Igor Cavaletta's percussion, uh, Max's singing, like it sums up a really great groovy, thrash metal record and if anyone knows like Sepultura's roots with morbid visions that was more of like a death metal record like a really raw lo-fi thrashy death metal record but beneath the remains is like when they were starting to like polish up their sound a bit more um for this album they worked with Scott Burns who had previously engineered records by um obituary death and morbid angels so they chose to work with him uh which is another solid element to why it sounds the way it does because you have more of that florida um sorry florida death metal sound in it as well more of the american thrash sound yes um but the grooviness and the intricate patterns and the arrangements of the guitars are also influenced by sepultura's roots in brazil right like this band grew up with a lot of traditional music from their home in sao paulo and so you'll hear a lot of that and we'll talk a bit more about that later on because we're going to talk about roots a little bit but that's why i've always loved this band is because i'm someone that grew up with a lot of different types of music and music from around the world so whenever i heard that reflected in a band's practice and application of their heritage in their music that always struck, struck a chord within me so that's um some of the the key points on um this album but it, as a whole, Blake, it really represents the word catharsis to me. Um, it's really reflective. The, the title is reflective to how I felt when I first discovered it in high school and also how I feel today as I'm making a big, big um, transition in, in my personal life and my career as well. Um, beneath the remains, like what does beneath the remains mean to to people? Like I'll ask you, what does what when you think of beneath the remains, what does that what are those three words represent to you? Uh something holding you back from your future maybe sure like what's beneath the remains of you know in your well yeah in your mind even i guess it kind of depends on how you look at this <laughs> look sure. at that what does it mean to you though yeah i to me beneath the remains represents this like I said before, this cathartic element of being a phoenix, like rising from ashes, like what mm -hmm. is the remains? So like there's there's something there that has crumbled. There's something there that doesn't work. There's something there that has been demolished or burned down. Like you said, maybe it's something in your, your perspective, maybe it's something in your mind. 
Maybe it is something personal. Maybe it is your own self-belief or awareness. And when that crumbles, how do you pick yourself up? How do you rise from the ashes and build, build again, right? So to mm-hmm. me, it represents a lot of that Phoenix energy. Um, you know, the, 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 like I, I was bullied as a, as a child uh, by the same person for a really long time in elementary school. And I was still faced with a lot of tough, um, just a lot of challenges with people and bullying again in high school. And that has impacted a lot of my life today. But if it weren't for metal, if it weren't for albums like this, that really pulled me out of those situations and cultivated that self-belief and strength, I don't know where I'd be, you know? Mm -hmm. So this is an album that represents that for me too, represents that resilience and that perseverance. Um, It commences with a really haunting guitar piece that kind of feels like you're in some sort of spiritual environment or setting um, at the top of Beneath the Remains. There's a lot of like soft strums that are mysterious and shrouded in this kind of dark haunting energy before heading straight into the title track. And it's just like, just, like you know like Igor just like gets gets into it and you're like you're in the mosh pit as soon as you set like start this record as soon as you press play you are like diving into that pit and you are not getting out of it until the end of the record or until there might be some little guitar interlude you're not escaping that pit um but don't worry your your allies have you they'll they they got you lose your shoe they will bring it back to you (laughs) Um, as they always do. So I love that. Um, even like, you know, the album essentially lyrically could cover a lot of things. It could cover history, war, social political themes. And and it does. It definitely does. And it, it draws from all of these elements of history that Sepultura have been known for covering. Um, but I mean, I'm taking it more from like the personal perspective and angle this time. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? So with... Yes. And thinking about other people too, right? Thinking about how this album may have been a a really massive support system for audiences and listeners that have gone through a lot of different things. I mean, even in Beneath the Remains, like Max Cavaletta sings like, who has won? Who has died? You know, like huge. Like he's asking, he's, he's asking these questions and it's, it's, it's just really representative of that, um, like reclamation and survival um yeah and I mean inner self that was a really huge tune for me um as I mentioned I went through a lot in my childhood um that led to you know through bullying which led to a lot of severe struggles with my mental health into high school and university um which what made it worse was that I was a huge nonconformist like so I did I still didn't want to fit in despite being you know cast out by someone like I I still would push against it and be like no matter what I'm not going to be a fake person mm-hmm. um, and I just you know I never liked it when someone had the same clothing as I did copied me in any way um, and it doesn't help when you're raised in an artistic household that has a lot of DIY ethos so nonconformity and individuality like being yourself unapologetically um, was so huge for me um, and even though I battled it endlessly, um, this song empowered me a lot, like inner self, like no conformity in my inner self, only I guide my inner self, that song, right? The lyrics. So that was something that I channeled a lot. Um, 
Stronger than hate and mass hypnosis are both really great examples of uh, Max and Andreas Kisser's incredible guitar work. Mm -hmm. um, as mentioned earlier, when I was learning how to play, I really studied their arrangements and it helped me grasp this style of playing, like especially when learning songs that were more thrash or death leaning, um, the riffs on mass hypnosis, all of that just so, so killer and really helped me understand that type of playing style and how to learn it. Um, and there's just such an amazing interlude on mass hypnosis as well. It's like so beautiful. Um, Igor's drum patterns are clear on that. Um, lobotomy, ugh, huge. All of that really shines through. Um, my Not really my, my most favorite tracks on the, on the project, but still really strong in terms of leaning a bit more towards the death metal side and, and highlighting a lot of the, the overall arrangement and composition and songwriting of, of the tracks like um, Slaves of Pain, Hungry, Primitive Future, especially Primitive Future, um, just really shining a light on how the band was growing into themselves as being super tight musicians, like the musicianship and the musicality of those songs really like come through in these pieces. Yeah. Now the first time I heard this album was this week Oh, okay. <laughs> because I, obviously I didn't hear it back. Like when it came out, like when you were saying I did hear other songs, like I heard some songs from Arise, And then after that, or that was before this, wasn't it? Or was Arise after this one too? Arise was after i believe okay sorry okay hold on i think no maybe it was yes it was it was right after 1991 okay. i thought yeah so i guess i just didn't i because i don't recall ever hearing this album or listening to it but i do remember it was probably i didn't hear about them till after i guess i heard roots play roots of course yeah. and i did hear some stuff from arise so anyway so yes to prepare for this podcast i listened to it this week and I was trying to write down stuff for every song, but every song is just so fast and thrashy and some death and everything in there. And it's hard to come up with different, not that they all sound the same, because they all have different riffs and different tempos. And I found that mass hypnosis even sounded a little jazzy sometimes, how they do stop and start and whatever. Yeah. And there's lots of great solos on this album and uh, str uh, stronger than is it stronger than hate right stronger than hate uh has some i noticed it has some backup singers like obituaries john tardy was in it and two of the members of incubus yeah kelly schaefer from atheist was in it yeah Thanks and for so they obviously and i can definitely even though i didn't listen to them a lot like you did but yes you can definitely hear this album is they're getting influenced a lot by the U.S. thrash bands, like you stated even before we started talking about it, how they were kind of incorporating that sound into their music compared to what they were before. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially in metal, too, not always because the bands are at the helm for production as well. But 
that's been studied so often too, is like how a band's sound evolves over time based on who they work with, or did they travel to the States or did they travel to Scandinavia to produce a record? Like that has definitely influenced the band in their growth and in their evolution through their discography and through the, the, the music that they release over time in their catalog. So I think for this one too, the production side, like working with Scott Burns, like that definitely shows um, that development. And like you said, thank you for including that, 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 factoid Blake about the the singers on stronger than hate and the, the background because that's that's a really cool collab to mention there yes and I'm sure that because you, yeah you mentioned the producer or the engineer whatever that he worked with obituary so I'm sure that had something to do with getting John Tardy in there yeah who, by yeah. the way did an interview with us, us and it's on our YouTube channel so go watch that <laughs> yes go watch it that's amazing I love that I love that all these these full circle moments and connections here. It's amazing. Yes. Um, now, Primitive Future is the last song on the album originally, but of course with Spotify and all that, we get extra songs. And I think you wanted to talk about some of the, ex the extra songs on this one. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a 1997 remaster of Beneath the Remains. And on that 1997 remaster, there are two instrumental tracks. And those are for... Mass Hypnosis and Inner Self, which it's just drum tracks and like really like slight guitar, no bass, no vocals, and especially an amazing cover of Ahora e Aves do Cabelo Nacer, which is, um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing, it's my Portuguese is not great, uh, which is originally by Os Mutantes, which is a great rock band from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, known for their involvement in the Tropicalia movement, just a super iconic band that has delved into the world of psychedelic rock and prog rock and just amazing, amazing band. Um, the track is in English. It's the lyrics are, you know, diving into a song describing vibrant, vibrant hair, like hair and growing hair and hair, different colors and glitter and all this fantastical stuff. So I'm not sure what was going on in that writing um, <laughs> in a lot of things, but um, Sepultura creates their own take with English lyrics in this one. And that song that is featured on the 1997 remaster was also a contribution to the 1989 tribute album, uh, Sanguino Novo, um, Arnaldo Baptista, Revisitado, which is a tribute album by various artists and bands in honor of Brazilian musician Arnaldo Baptista. So um, I thought this was a beautiful tribute to popular music from their homeland. Um, it's also super full circle for me because as a DJ, I play a lot of traditional Brazilian music like bossa nova, samba, MPB, um, Tropicalia music uh, today. And uh, I grew up with a lot of Brazilian music in the household as well. Also, my aunt is from Sao Paulo, my aunt that that married my uncle, and she mm -hmm. grew up with Sepultura Records as well. And uh, we always enjoy talking about Brazilian music from time to time. Um, but yeah, I just think Sepultura does an incredible job on this rendition. They show a lot of respect to Os Mutantes through this um, heavy take. Uh, and they've also done, side note, a really good cover of Ministry's Just One Fix as well. So oh. I will put that out there. Yeah. Well, I should listen. I, I love Just One Fix by Ministry, so I should probably check that out. 
Love it. It's a great. And I'm glad you tackled that song title and those names. So I'm glad you were talking about that, and not me. <laughs> I tried my best. I tried my best. Yeah, and it sounded good. I yeah, I tried. Um, another fun side note too. I know I mentioned I wanted to mention two fun merch things, but for the longest time, I had a Sepultura like an old like original lineup Sepultura poster from it was like a pullout from Decibel or something like one of those free inner posters you get. And mm-hmm. it was in my bedroom closet door on the inside of it forever. And um, I was recently assisting my parents with a move and uh, it was there forever. And I didn't realize it until I had to take it down. <laughs> but like, I've been moved out for a long time, but I was still there, this poster <laughs> of the band in the 80s. Um, and so, did you take it home now or did you leave it there I think I oh I don't know I think I kept it I just don't know where I put it okay <laughs> yeah yeah I forgot um and one time in Guelph one time in Guelph in university I went to a vintage store and they had a little morbid visions pin a little button that <laughs> that, that rests on my denim jacket to date and um yeah I, I love Sepultura what can I say so uh, you got, well, first, so what would you give this album out of 10 if you're going to rate it? Um, it's okay if it's 10. <laughs> a nine? Like, I don't know what to take the one off for. Maybe like, maybe because some songs sound a bit similar, but like, that's part of it. I, I give it a nine, 9.5. Really, I can't, I can't really knock this project at all. It's iconic. It, it was a really top seller upon its release you know it represents so is this your favorite sepultura album then you i mean i know um, mentally it's special to you but musically is it also your favorite do you think yeah i would say it's a between this one and roots okay yeah now do you now they keep releasing out but now um um igor and uh, max aren't in the band anymore but and I, you told me you're going to see them in june yeah, I know. I'm going to be seeing Derek Green on the mic instead, uh, which is not um, bad at all. He's super talented as well. Uh, I mean, hey, listen, I love to see the real band, like the, you know, the original yes. lineup, like I'd give anything for that. But um, Max and Igor have their own, um, they have their own projects now, which are both really yes. good. Igor Cavaletta is also like an electronic music, electronic music producer as well. He does some really interesting things as like a DJ and producer. Um, a lot of like noise driven electronica, which I really like as well. So mm-hmm. they're still, they're still active in doing their own things. Um, so I, yes, I will be seeing them in June. Um, they're playing with Death Angel, another band that I grew up with and really, really love iconic Bay area band. Mm-hmm. Um, and playing with creator. I totally forgot. Yes. Yeah. And, yes. and, um, and spirit, spirit worlds, I think. Yes. And their album is reviewed on our website. <laughs> Fair world, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and I will say, I didn't mind Quadra. Like, I liked that album, their latest one. Like, I didn't mind it. I thought mm-hmm. it was really well produced. It was a beautiful, beautifully written. Like, it was, it was like thematic. Like, there was a consistent theme throughout it historically. Like, it was kind of a concept album. Um, so I know mm-hmm. I really, yeah, I super liked, I, I liked that one as well. So a little honorable mention. Yes, I'm sure it'll be a great show, hopefully, there in June. Yeah. Now, uh, 
Now you're gonna, or did you want to talk about anything else before you give me your top ten songs? You wanted to mention Roots, or maybe you just want to mention that when you do your top ten sure, songs. We'll mention that in the top 10. Okay, I'll let you do, start at number ten, I guess, and count down to your number one. Um. Oh wow. I'll be honest that these are not in order. Oh okay. Well, do whatever you want. Then just mention your top ten. <laughs> okay, fine. So, um, we'll start at the top with "Beneath the Remains" intro song to this album. We talked about it earlier in the podcast of, you know, the beautiful intro, the lyrics, like the raw power of this track. Um, "Inner Self" would be my next one. Love it. Totally representative of who I was in my youth and who I am today. Um, "Refuse Resist." have to give that one a big shout out my younger brother and I used to jam out to that a lot my younger brother plays the drums grew up playing the drums so we were like our own Cavaletta brothers except I'm the sister um <laughs> and my my brother and I used to love playing refuse resist we had no bass player but we we would just uh have a have a lot of fun with that song um and refuse resist is from chaos ad mm -hmm. the lead track of that song which is, of that album which is another great album arise is great super fast like i love that song i love that song title track from from that 1991 album um another like very like mosh perfect mosh tune uh great thrash track like I love it. It's but but they're still in that raw era of Sepultura before they get a little more um uh polished. Mm -hmm. And did, did, sorry, did you mention roots already? Not yet. Okay, sorry. Uh, Go ahead. Couple picks from Quadra I'd like to shout out, means to an end and raging void. Those are my favorite tracks from that album. Again definitely look into it there's a lot of great storytelling on it a lot of, of great writing and um it's kind of cinematic in its own way um dead embryonic cells morbid visions we discussed that that's like their very first album mm -hmm. just like so lo-fi diy incredible just so incredible and we spoke about the little pin that i have that i found at a thrift store in guelph at a vintage shop um attitude is from roots and now we're going to talk about roots and why roots is my next kind of favorite album up against beneath the remains uh this is this album came out in 1996 so there's kind of a little bit of that new metal era falling into play here like the the song look away features um corn vocalist jonathan davis and then corn drummer david silveria um dj lethal the turntablist from house of pain and limp biscuit Mike Patton was on that track as well. Oh. Warm, Mr. Bungle. So like this album had a lot of that new metal era influence and style in it. However, what makes Roots so special is that it's the band's exploration and honor um, record in, into Brazilian musical textures. Um, 
and they drew upon the contributions and support from iconic Brazilian musician Carlinhos Brown, um, who guided the band in arrange arranging the songs and the sections throughout the album that feature ensemble percussion playing. Um, the movie inspired Max Cavaleto to want to record with an indigenous Brazilian community, um, and the band pitched it to Roadrunner Records uh, to support the project. Um, and then they began working with the communications coordinator for Brazil's Nucleo de Cultura Indígena, the um, Indigenous Culture Center. And um, after that was approved, um, the band management, um, the team traveled to Mato Grosso, Brazil to visit the Havante tribe and record with them. Um, and um, this was like a deep exploration and dive and, and level of respect for the indigenous communities and culture of Brazil and that have greatly influenced Brazilian music to date. And um, yeah, I, I love that the band created such an incredible project like Roots. And I think at the time when I discovered the record, um, I won't say how old I was when this record came out, but um, <laughs> when I discovered this record down the line, I think I was so impressed by, I was so impressed by this blend of heritage and, and contemporary metal styles. I thought it was such a beautiful thing. Um, like, for example, some of this brings me back to selecting some of my favorite songs from the album, like the song Attitude. Um, they use a uh, berimbau, which is like um, a uh, traditional um, traditional instrument um, used in a lot of Brazilian music, um, and you can hear it like in the, in the little like in in the in the string arrangement and through the, the entire composition of the song. Um, again, like a song about respect, a song about attitude. Um, Rata Mahata is like one of my favorite songs and another great use of different types of vocal styles and song structure that I had never heard of before at the time, you know, mm -hmm. um, and Roots Bloody Roots, it really speaks for itself. And like, I've heard that, that, that song title be transferred into, into, talking about roots in so many different ways especially in the metal community right like it's such a like it 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 literally lives up to its name because of what the band did with this project but it is so reflective of how people engage with metal like what are your roots in the music what are your roots in the community and so um that sums up my top 10 sepultura songs um I honestly really didn't get any into anything after 1998's Against before 2020's Quadra. Like I did listen to the entire discography, but these songs that I mentioned right here really stuck out, uh, stood out to me um, in my experience of enjoying and embracing and learning about Sepultura's music. Yes. Now I only did a top five and mine 
again, since I didn't listen to them a lot and I wasn't going to go through their whole catalog because there's too many albums to listen to in a week. <laughs> so I just concentrated on the first few albums. So I, and I only did top five. So number five, I had Arise. And number four, I had Inner Self from this album. Number three, I had Territory from Chaos AD. And my last two were both from Roots. Number two, I had Dusted. I really like that one. And then, of course, Roots play Roots. Just, you know, just for everything that you said. Now, have you heard the version with Luciano Pavarotti singing on that? Have you heard I that have, before? I actually have not. This is news to me. No, because it's not it's not it's not on Spotify as far as I know, but I have it on a CD. I'm going to have to look. I should have looked it up before, but I didn't. I'm not even sure. Does, does I just know somebody good? gave it to him and he said, hey, you want this? And then I listened to it and I thought it was so awesome to hear. Not that I'm an opera fan or anything, <laughs> but it was cool wow. to hear him singing backing vocals in with the band. So I'll have to look that up and maybe figure out how I can send it to you just wow. in case it's not available. I don't really know. I'll have to find it and see what it's on. <laughs> I think it's online. Is it? It could be, but I just didn't know if I, like, I didn't see it in the Roots like the release on Spotify, I don't think. I didn't think I see it as an extra song there, but I definitely have it on a CD somewhere. Um, so. It's um, it's on a video from what I'm looking at. Yeah. Um, maybe that's what, maybe the CD, again, I'd have to look it up. It's, I can't go find it now, but I'll look it up and I'll tell you personally anyway, what <laughs> I found it, but it might've just been recorded from the video. Maybe the, so maybe wow. somebody made me the CD. I can't even remember. I just know it was on a CD and I think it had a couple different versions, but yes, he was on it and it was kind of cool to hear it with him on it. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'll, I'll definitely look for it. It looks, that's like, sounds amazing. That's a great example. We just talked about it. Metal bands can do anything. They really <laughs> can do anything. I mean, if you really think about the roots of metal, you know, it's jazz, blues and classical music in yes. structure. That's where a lot of music comes from. So again, my friends, this is proof that metal bands can cover anything. They can do anything. They can write anything and they can collab with anyone. That's so, right. Yeah. I, I also liked it. The HMV record store they used to have in Toronto, like it had three floors on it yeah. and you'd go to the top floor to the metal section. But the, so it had the metal section at one end and the other end, other section, other end of the room, it was a classical section. I remember that. I used to go to that Young Street HMV all the time. I miss yeah. it. So you'd have all the heavy metal people go all the way up to the top and all the classical music fans go all the way up to the top. Yeah. Hey, that's where that's where we all connect, you know? Yeah. I mean, if anyone's listening to this remembers Rock Zone, if you remember Rock Zone in the base in that lower level, just north of that HMV, that part of Young is... is demolished now I think or is where that mm -hmm. is near Toronto Metropolitan University my alma mater but we used to go and buy inertia show tickets from the person that ran it um mm -hmm. back in the day it was amazing it was amazing I, I miss those days <laughs> yeah so do I like it's a lot different back then of course obviously of course with the streaming like you know I used to have to work cutting grass or whatever to make 20 bucks so you could go buy an album now you can do something for 20 bucks and listen to any album you want <laughs> absolutely i would have to pay as a little subscription fee you know yeah but you know what it doesn't compare or beat the element of having a vinyl record you know or no, that's right 
it'll never compare. So that's right. Anyway, so I guess we're all done there. Do you want to say anything else about this group or anything before we say goodbye? It's been a great honor to talk about Sepultura with you today, Blake. Um, I know we didn't dive as deep into the project as I normally would would want to in such layered intricacy, but I hope that I relayed my love for the band and the music as a whole um, as best as I could. And um, yeah, thank you for having me on the Metal Pit podcast. It's, it's such an honor to be here with you full circle and have a chat about the music that has made us who we are. And um, yeah, it's I would not be here today if it was not for for Blake from the Metal Pit, Blake, Blake Mossy from the Metal Pit. <laughs> well, thank you, Ola, for joining me. You did great since you knew a lot more about this band than I did. And you did a great job covering for me not knowing so much about them. <laughs> so that was great. And I'm so happy that you're doing great now. And hopefully I can get you on another podcast because you did such a good job. And I wish you luck in everything you're doing and with your Sonic Fold and your podcast. And I definitely will be listening. So thanks, Ola, for joining me. Thank you, Blake, for having me here. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thank you. Bye, everybody.